right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Grease the Wheels. It's your Uncle Jimmy once again, coming to you live from the Rock and Roll Garage. Today's subject on our podcast for technicians, by a technician, is going to be shops. Now, a lot of times when we're looking for a job, we honestly don't take more than a few minutes to actually concern ourselves with what kind of shop it is. But you know what? I think in the future, if you do Grease the Wheels, what you're going to want to do is look into what the shop you are going to go to looks like, how it runs, what equipment's there, stuff like that. I'm just going to give you a little heads up on what you might want to look for when you're going to another shop. Now, when you interview for a new job, typically what you'll do is you'll fire off an application, maybe a resume, and you're hoping basically that the owner or the service manager or whoever does the hiring for that shop gets back to you. You actually pay little or almost no attention to exactly what kind of shop it is. And if you live and work in the southern part of the country, you might want to even ask if you're going to be working indoors. Now, here's some things that separate the good shops from the bad shops, and I'm not talking about the personnel in this particular case. I've spent a lot of time and energy talking about the different personnel that, that work or sometimes don't work in a shop and how you either get along with them or how you deal with them or what to look for or what not to look for there. We've already covered that ground. Uh, I may go back over some of it, rehash it, simply because when I listen to it on playback, it just sounds like a really angry old man bitching about the shop he used to work in or a shop he used to work in. And it's not really fair to you guys. You, know, you probably get enough complaints Complaining from your fellow technicians or your fellow employees in the shop you're at now, you don't need to hear more shooting out of the speakers of your, your Bluetooth speakers or your iPod or whatever you listen to it on. Uh, the difference between a good shop and a bad shop, well, the first thing that I noticed, and I think this is probably the first thing that you would notice too, is the cleanliness of a shop. Now, I know a lot of technicians don't honestly give a shit how clean a shop is. They're probably going to make it a lot dirtier. And I find that in my experience, about 90% of technicians are just making a mess. That's what they do. And uh, some of them are extremely good good at it and uh, should probably teach courses in it. I'm not one of those myself. I like a shop that's neat and clean. I put my tools away a couple, two, three times a day just to make sure I don't lose them. I like to keep it neat. I pick up stuff that's laying on the floor. I've heard other people say, oh, I'm I'm a neat person. I like it neat. And then I watch them work and no, that's bullshit. They, uh, they got oil all over the floor and they're tracking antifreeze everywhere and they've got parts piled up here and there that are greasy and nasty looking and they don't really even care that they're in the way of somebody else or maybe even themselves. So that's the first thing you notice. If you roll into a shop and you can see that it's neat and clean and it looks like it's kept that way, you can bet that management is going to want you to participate in some cleaning, at least at some point in time, possibly at the end of the day, maybe at the end of the week, maybe before they give you your next job, okay? So if you go into a shop and it's neat and clean, you can bet you're going to spend a little bit of time cleaning it up, and it shouldn't be too much of a problem, unless, of course, you're one of these honest-to-God slobs. And I've known a few, and they're, they're good technicians, but they just make a fucking mess. I mean, a huge mess. I mean, they don't care if they put oil on the floor. They don't care if there's antifreeze on the floor. They don't care if there's washer solvent on the floor. Garbage, empty parts boxes, uh, old parts, nuts, bolts, screws, tires. They don't give a rip. I have a friend of mine who has a one-man shop, and it looks a lot like the inside of a dumpster. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend anybody take their car there to get it fixed. It just speaks to his uh, mindset priorities, or actual, I should say, lack of priorities. His shop is really something right out of a third world country. It really is terrible. The other thing that you want to look for when you're going to work in a new shop is the equipment. You 
need good equipment if you're going to do auto repairs. Your employer, your bosses, they should know this. If they don't, you may have to re-grease the wheels. If you have lifts that haven't been inspected for a long time and they look old and are possibly bent or maybe not bolted down correctly or there's lines leaking or there's tape on things. I mean, you can, you're, you're a mechanic. You can pretty much tell if a piece of equipment is working correctly or if it's not. Listen, uh, don't don't risk your life going under a lift that's uh, suspect. And even if it's only suspect to you, that's all that really matters, okay? I can't preach this enough to you guys, and I mean everybody, the ladies, the guys, anybody working in a shop as a technician, even if you're just a lube tech, I can't preach this enough. Don't risk your life doing this job. Don't do it. It is not worth it. If you get killed at work, it's a terrible thing for, you know, the people who own the place. It's a terrible thing for the people you work with, but it's only a terrible thing for a couple, two, three weeks, maybe a month, and after a while, they forget what a terrible thing it is, and guess what? You're still dead, and it stays that way forever. So don't risk your life. I want you around. I want you here, okay? I want you listening to my future podcasts. I want you to be able to turn the dials with all 10 of your fingers, or eight of them, if you count your thumbs as not fingers. Don't risk your life with bad equipment. Other things you want to look for too, especially, okay, and I want to say this specifically to the technicians who work in the northern part of the country. If you go to a shop and they expect you to work on cars, especially if it's an independent type shop where you work on typically older cars, uh, you got to have an uh, oxycetylene torch set. And if you're thinking about being a mechanic or are a fresh new mechanic, a rookie, I guess you would say, and you haven't learned how to use a set of oxyacetylene torches and you're going to attempt to work on cars above the Mason-Dixon line, you better get some education on how an oxyacetylene torch set works. It's a pretty handy tool for making nuts and bolts see things your way. A good friend of mine always said, uh, bolts and nuts can't fight you when they're liquid. And that's what the torch is all about. It turns stuff cherry, cherry red, and then they give up the fight and they come apart typically. So make sure you have a set of those if you're up north. And if you're in the south and people bring you cars from the north, which is aggravating as shit, uh, you might want to have a torch set too. It makes uh, a lot of jobs just that much easier as if it's not easier already but there's some other equipment you want to have on hand and nobody ever really thinks about this until it's too late but you know if you're going to be changing oil in cars and we all do and we all have you want the shop you're going to be working in to have a viable efficient system for handling that oil now i was at an independent for about three years and when i showed up there they had one plastic oil drain and when it was full well first off when it was full it weighed about 100 pounds and second off when it was full you had to pick it up and pour it into a 55 gallon drum. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you right now, I find that completely and 100% unacceptable, okay? Because I'm not picking up, a, uh, you know, 100 pounds of used oil anymore not going to happen. And, you know, if they want to drain it, they can figure something out. They actually went and bought some different types of oil drains that uh, use a pneumatic emptying kind of arrangement, which was way much better. <laughs> no real other way to put it. It's it, it works a lot better. Some other things that you want to think about when you're working at a shop is what do they have in the shop available to use to bring cars in that don't run? Because I'll you know, work on 10, 12, 15, 20 cars a week, and probably three of them are going to be cars that either won't start or don't run or have no engine in them for whatever reason, or have some other catastrophic type of a failure that keeps them from being driven into the shop. And you need to have some sort of device or piece of equipment or a piece of machinery that can push or pull that car into the shop. Now, I've experienced places where they had gators, little John Deere six-wheel thing, and man, that thing was, that thing was great. 
great for pulling cars into the shop. And uh, you just need one other person to steer, and boom, you are on your way. And it, you know, it's, it helps too with your efficiency if you can take a car from the outside, no matter really where it is on a lot, and pull it into the shop. You know, in a matter of five or ten minutes, instead of you know having to round up a crew of guys and pushing it and hoping that the parking lot isn't too icy or that it isn't raining or that it isn't uh, 107 degrees out. I've experienced all that. You know, having something like a Gator, uh, the last shop I was at, we had this thing called the Tug. That thing was the bomb. That was the best. I think literally every shop in the world should have a Tug. It was great for moving literally everything. It was just a, a flatbed thing with a motor on it, and it would pull cars like you ain't never seen before. And I think it was actually designed to do that. It was well designed. We actually pulled a car off the highway about a mile away from the shop with it that had died that we'd worked on. It actually uh, it seized up a connecting rod bearing after we did brakes on the car. So, you know, scratch your head over that one. But that tug pulled that vehicle from a mile away into the shop. It was amazing. It was beautiful. It was. Uh, it brought a tear to my eye. It was so good. And then there was another shop I worked at where we had nothing. And I mean literally nothing like that. And if you wanted to get a car in a shop, you had to get a couple of aviators and push it in. And I really honestly don't ever want to experience that again. Shop I'm at now, we have this thing called a pusher. It's a two-wheel thing. And it seems to work pretty good. It's kind of slow. I have in the past actually used my truck, my own personal vehicle, to pull cars around. Because uh, the one, one job I had, we had a very large amount of cars that didn't run. The other thing you want to take into account when you're looking at a shop, you're considering greasing the wheels where you are now and you want to go. One of the things you want to consider about any shop you might go to work at, and nobody ever does this beforehand, but you might want to ask about how hot the shop gets in the summertime and how cold it gets in the wintertime. Now, a lot of places where you work on cars are not air conditioned. Okay, in the South, it's starting to become a thing simply because technicians are very, very inefficient when they're overheated and it wears them out when they're sweating to death. It's something that's really almost required in some of the, uh, in the Southwest and in the deep south uh, florida for example you really almost can't work in the uh, tremendous humidity they have down there in a shop they have to pretty much have air conditioning and still some shops many independents don't that's something you want to consider uh, if you don't like the heat probably working in florida or in arizona would be a bad move um, if you don't like the cold large chunks of the united states are very cold in the winter time so uh, you may want to gravitate to the south a lot of shops also what they do even if they do have air conditioning and even if they do have good heat, they don't use them. They don't turn them up. They don't dial them up to the point where you're going to be comfortable. They just turn it on to kind of, I don't know, maybe make themselves feel good about supplying heat, but yet the shop's still 45 degrees in the, in the winter. And in the summer, it's, you know, 84 instead of 105. 84 doesn't really feel all that cool if you're trying to do some work, if you're trying to concentrate, if you're trying to think, if you're trying to turn wrenches, if you're trying to fix a car. It doesn't feel any better than the temperature outside. Where I'm at now is air conditioned and uh, I'm in the, I'm in Texas. We have the shop thermostat is set, appears to be set at about 74 degrees, which is just warm enough to make me sweat my balls off. Just warm enough. But, you know, there's not much I can do about that. And it is a lot better than what is going on outside. So uh, any complaints are going to fall on deaf ears there. But it's something you want to consider. Also, too, you want to consider other equipment that you may need in order to do your job. Uh, worked at one shop where we said we did alignments, but we farmed them out. I didn't really think that that was a very good uh, situation. And 
and and and I understood that you know alignment machines are tremendously expensive, and it wasn't like they didn't want one; they just couldn't afford one. And when they finally did, and kudos to these people, they shot the locks off and got like the top of the line Hunter in ground drive on lift. It was beautiful. So now we were able to actually do our own alignments, and it made us feel a lot better about the repairs that we had done to the cars. And uh, a lot of times you have to do an alignment and it's not even something that you would sell the customer. You would do an alignment because you replaced something on the car and they didn't think you needed an alignment and you didn't think you needed an alignment. And then when you got done, it was like, uh-oh, I need to do an alignment because the steering wheel is like half past two and customer's going to complain about that. So you want to you want to correct that situation. If you have an alignment rack, bang, you can throw it on there. Turn the tire it ends, make sure it's right, and then away you go. Uh, that's a really good piece of equipment you want to have. You also want to make sure that you have uh, certain other equipment, too. One of the things that I look for in a shop is always going to be a grinder and a wire wheel. I use them quite a bit. You have to sometimes modify tools to fit in certain spots. Sometimes you have to clean rust off of a specific components to get them to work correctly or to, to have them actually just make electrical contact. The wire wheel is excellent for that. And you definitely want to make sure you're safe if you're using those kind of things. You also want to uh, and this one is really ticky tacky and I'm the only reason I bring it up is because I have experience with this and it's ridiculous but the last shop I was at was an independent shop and it was across the street from the county's recycling center okay you think okay big deal, right? No, it was a huge deal on certain days. Because if the wind blew just right across this recycling center, the air coming across the street was so bad, it would gag a maggot. It was terrible. One guy I worked with used to say, oh, it smells like hot garbage outside. And it did. It was terrible. And it, after a while, I actually got nose blind to it wasn't a good situation at all. But there's not much you can do about that. The building that we were in, the facility we were in was actually very nice. But that was one of the things. And I mean, if you, you know, if you're sensitive to these sorts of things, or perhaps maybe you have an animal allergy or you're allergic to peanuts or or anything for that matter, you might want to just consider where the shop is that you're going to be working at. Obviously, you wouldn't want to work in a shop that's next door to the Planner's Peanut Factory if you're allergic to peanuts because they probably shell them and then they shoot the shells out of a chute into a bin and if the wind catches them just right, it blows them into your shop and if you've got an allergy, guess what? You're on the floor with an EpiPen in your neck. So, you know, just something you want to consider. It's kind of it's kind of silly, but, you know, if you've got these allergies, man, it's not silly, okay? Because some of them are debilitating. Some of them can kill you, so you need to be careful. Now, I have an allergy to to a substance called paraben. And you would think, what the hell is paraben? Well, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I was explained to me that it's a wax-like substance. So it's like a paraffin, only it's paraben it's called. And you're thinking, why the hell is this guy giving me a chemistry lesson? Well, a lot of the soaps and the hand cleaners that you get in the shop, they have this in it because it supposedly makes your hands soft. In my case, it makes my hands itch, which is, you know, if they're soft, that's great. But if they itch, that's not. So I have to be very careful about which uh, hand cleaners I use. And I also have to be careful about what uh, hand lotions I use because if I don't wear my gloves, my hands get raw and chapped and it's a terrible situation and nobody wants that. Hand in hand with that location is, and and this is important too, and we never think about this. And and I've had quite a lengthy commute at times. You want to think about how close this is to where you live. Now, if you live in an apartment or if you are are homeless or whatever, you could be homeless. Honestly, you could be homeless anywhere, really. Um, I've seen people be 
be homeless in cold cities and hot cities and wherever. People are indigenous to this planet. They can live anywhere on it. Um, But you want to make sure that you're close to where you live. If you don't care where you live, then maybe, you know, if the job's good enough, which is, it just doesn't sound right to even say it out loud. But if the job's good enough, you can move closer. You can move near it. And if it pays well enough, you can even get a really nice place not too far away. Uh, That's a situation that I myself have gotten myself into. There's some other things to consider. Obviously, you know, you want to be close, but you don't want to be too close. And you want to have a shop that has access to, you know, amenities like electricity and water and maybe sewer. It's it's going to sound dumb, but I mean, this is stuff you want. I mean, you don't want to have to, I mean, imagine you get a job, you're working in a shop and it's, it's great, but it's one of these buildings that just got built to store stuff. And now suddenly it's a shop. And then next thing you know, you're crapping in an outhouse. You don't need that or a porta potty. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. That's just ridiculous. Uh, Don't let that happen to you either. Also, too, you know, you want to make sure that the building is sound. I mean, the building itself is sound. Like I said, I had a friend of mine who works in a shop by himself. It's uh, made out of clapboard. It's filthy. It's dirty. It's disgusting. I don't know why he does it, um, but uh, he does. And this building should probably be condemned. That should be a, uh, a hint to him as far as what he should do with his business. So these are things you want to check out. I remember uh, I was going to move to the southern part of the country to practice what I do here, where I could get paid more and be treated more like a human being uh, and uh, have the respect of my peers, which is a, an amazing thing to have. And I actually asked asked a lot of questions and the people I talked to, they didn't seem to mind answering the questions. Okay. They, they were genuinely interested in having somebody like me work for them. So they answered the questions and they, they, they said to me straight out, they said, look at this is stuff we, we should have in the shop. This is stuff that we need to do for the technicians. So yeah, we don't mind you asking because if you worked in a place where none of this stuff existed, where none of this stuff was, we can understand why you, why you want to come here. Make a list of what you need. Uh, make a list of what's important to you. If you're going to the wheels and I encourage you to do so. Remember, boys and girls, as I've said before, you're the talent. You're the creator of the end product. Nobody else in the building is. I want you to behave as if you're the talent and I want you to get paid like you're the talent and I want you to work in a nice, clean shop with all the safety equipment in place. That's something I didn't really touch on, but you know that you've got to have an eye wash station. You know you've got to have a shower in case you get certain chemicals on you. you got to have a first aid kit. you got to you know, they should probably supply you with gloves and safety glasses and that sort of stuff. Make Make sure that shit's there, okay? Make sure the building's sound. Make sure that the plumbing's good, the electricity's good, the heat works. If they got AC, see if it works. Find out if they got something to push a freaking car in with. It's uh, it's not a small deal. All right, so listen, uh, if you've got some terrible working conditions, I want to hear about it. I want to hear what you have to endure to do your job where you are now. And uh, probably what will happen is I will encourage you to leave that job if it's really horrible. But, uh, you know, hit me up on Facebook. We have a Twitter account. We have Reddit. We also have Instagram. You know, you can find us all over the goddamn Internet. Let us know how you... what's going on with your work situation. Let us know what's going on with the podcast. If you like it, if you hate it, if you hate it, just tell me, you know, you could tell me, I'll, I'll make some changes to it. I'll swear more or less, whatever you want. And, uh, I'm going to get out of here right now. Uh, this podcast has gone a little long and Eric's going to have to chop it down. So this is your uncle Jimmy signing off. See ya.